Hi, I'm JT. And I'm Lady C. And we want to welcome you to another episode of The Critical Thought. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. We're going to be talking about if, if a Jehovah's Witness could meditate on the different things that they're, that they're learning at these conventions, what would they say? After leaving the organization, we never sat back and thought about how they threw these terms out at us. Why Jehovah is a happy God. And I just thought it was interesting because those are like trigger words. Those are like words that's trying to get you into this, this talk. Because we want to explain to you why he's happy. Because if he's happy, then guess what? You're supposed to be happy. Yeah. So they're kind of like set the stage for Jehovah's Witnesses so that they can actually know how they're supposed to feel, how they're supposed to act, yep. how they're supposed to respond to all of the information that's about to be presented at this convention. Yeah, the, the conventions have really changed this year um, in, in so many ways. Um, we were talking the other day about how this is financially impacting the society. I can imagine what the loss has been in just revenues by having conventions and the contribution boxes just based on our own experience and dealing with the contribution aspect at conventions. Um, the losses just got to be tremendous. And it's funny because the society is very good at putting a spin on things. Uh, we were talking the other day, and I was talking to some other former witnesses the other day, how just how easy the society could just spin this thing and just make this into a moneymaker. Uh, can you imagine if the society, because when you, when you consider what it costs to rent Dodger Stadium, you know, Yankee Stadium or uh, you know, Georgia Dome, or any of these huge facilities that the society has to lay out initial cash for, they're not having to spend that now. Uh, when you consider what Jehovah's Witnesses, a typical family, for example, who has to travel to the convention for three or four days, how much are they spending gas, food, car, you know, dry cleaning, getting ready to go to the convention? Um, can you imagine? And, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if we saw this happen. You know, you could easily see the society saying, well, since y'all didn't spend that money going to the hotel, just, just send it on up here to Brooklyn. We can, we can make a contribution, make a contribution to the cause. And all of a sudden you, you literally have, you know, millions of witnesses sending in what they would have sent to their to, to Holiday Inn and, and, and Days Inn. They're now turning around and sending it straight to the society. I mean, they could literally make this into a serious moneymaker. But this is a this is going to be interesting how it's going to impact witnesses. Uh, witnesses are going to get very comfortable being at home, uh, even though they will. And we've heard some. I mean, we've heard some of the some of the wildest stories you know, with this whole. Uh, Zoom set up. Uh, you have witnesses who don't want to be seen on camera. Some congregations want you to be seen on camera. Some brothers are checking up on friends. I mean, you get the whole gamut. I mean, we've heard of witnesses who are, who they've come to realize if I put like a cutout of myself up there and just leave the camera there, they'll think I'm sitting here and watching the whole thing. I mean, it's all kinds of you know just just ingenuous ways of of how to get over because this has changed the whole game. I mean, but this, you know what they also said was that the morale of the witnesses have gone up 
since they're not meeting in person because they don't physically have to go into the kingdom hall. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because now with the the new style field service, you know, you have to go out and knock on your for kids. They don't have to go knock on the on the on the classmates' doors anymore right now. So so it's been <laughs> it's for them. It's been great. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's, it's this whole way of which the conventions are going to be done. It's going to be very interesting to see how they, how they continue to do this and how long. Um, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. And, of course, even you know, with our regular jobs, you know, how, how things will go. Uh, some people are going back to work now, but others, their, their company is still saying, you know, hold, hold tight and we'll, we'll let you know. So, so witnesses, the society, the organization, the various branches around the world, they have definitely been impacted by this. For sure. Yeah, and I was talking to a friend of ours who um, they're no longer going to keep to the Kingdom Hall, but their wife is. And he was saying that each congregation is up to them how people are attending the, the convention. And so um, his wife is attending, I think they're like three weeks on, three weeks off. And so he was saying something about on Saturday, they're like listening for three hours. And then on Sunday, they're doing a review. And so that's how they're doing their conventions for this year, for this summer. You know, so I can't even imagine, you know, going to a convention for my job and getting there and you're not really learning or you're not really being introduced to some, some high level topics. I mean, cause I can't think of a lot of people that would wanna go to a convention and somebody talk down to them yeah. or somebody tell them how they're lacking. I mean, most people, when you go to a convention, you're trying to go be encouraged, upbuilt, so that when you leave, you feel good about yourself. Or when you leave, you, you're like saying, I wasn't doing enough for myself, and so now when I leave, I'm going to be doing a little bit more for myself. You're not expecting to hear somebody say, you ain't doing enough for me. You ain't doing enough for Jehovah. But really, are they really meaning that you're not doing enough for Jehovah? Or is the watchtower just hijacking that term and it really means you're not doing enough for oh, them? That's what it really means, yeah. Yeah, and how you're literally going there for them to tell you how bad you're doing. And then your emotions are all stirred up when you're hearing about these people giving experiences from the platform. And the experiences are so terrible they, they they actually make people think that somebody quitting their job is a good thing oh yeah oh, absolutely one of the talks that was on the convention which is actually it's a staple it is what is considered a standard talk that you will hear at the summer conventions and even at the um summer at, at the regular assemblies and that's the talk that deals with living a simple life it's very important to understand what a simple life means to a Jehovah's Witness or the way that society defines a simple life. Uh, they make the point that you know, everybody is, is, is talking about they want to be rich and so forth. But actually, if they actually do some reading, they would find out that more and more people today realize that living a simple life. Well, yes, there are those who pursue wealth and fame, but that's more and more people realize I want more of a balance. In fact, in most corporations today, they really start to focus on their employees trying to live a balanced life between work, job, family, and so forth. And, and you hear it all the time. If you look at your, your, your little memos they send out in most companies, you always see them talking about this. So they're trying to show that people need to live a balanced life. Now, when it comes to a simple life for Jehovah's Witnesses, 
What that typically revolves around is you are going to be pursuing a job that you make no money at. Now, there are, yes, there are, there are witnesses who are rich, but unfortunately, the vast majority of Jehovah's Witnesses are not. Uh, the vast majority of Jehovah's Witnesses, interestingly, uh, they often fall below even other denominations because this idea of pioneering and getting a part-time job in the 21st century, unless you have a job that earns you a lot of money. And this is what's interesting about the organization. If a person, for example, they are a certified public accountant here in the United States, for example, such a person could work literally a part-time job and make enough money to live well live okay. But for the witness, he is already starting out behind the eight ball because the average witness already has a job where he's probably not making a lot of money. And now they're telling him, we need you to ratchet that down. One of the reasons that Jehovah's Witnesses are so tired is because so many of them end up having to work multiple jobs. And as a result, when they get to the meetings, they're tired. I mean, typically a witness and when I was growing up, and even today. And that's why a lot of witnesses are just easing around away from that stuff. Um, and so this simple life that the organization always talks about, it always revolves around you will be living a life where you have no money. You have no retirement. You don't have insurance. And so as a result, we see witnesses literally are wearing themselves out because their religion is constantly encouraging them to get a job where they make no money. When the witnesses talk about starting a business, for example, people who do a cleaning business, we, you know, we often say you know, witnesses are janitors and, and then clean windows and all this kind of stuff. But actually, there's nothing wrong with those jobs. I had a client right here in the Washington, D.C. area. It was a husband and wife team. They ran a little janitorial services, but they clocked $3 million a year. See, the witness is not interested in growing their business. I just need to make enough so I can pioneer. I can make enough so I can get to the meeting. Well, in the 21st century, just making enough to get to the meetings of Jehovah's Witnesses is going to leave you with a lot of lacking in a lot of areas. And so there's nothing wrong with people who have janitorial. I know people who have window cleaning businesses. They make very good money. They, they, they have built their business to where they have teams going out. And so the witness is never interested in really building them. You hear it all the time, you know, you look clean. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Because we have people here in Washington. I used to have a client. This her husband and wife, they clocked three million dollars. They did, they did government buildings offices at night. And they had a staff that went out and cleaned the building. People get off work, they go out and send their staff out. And they were pulling down three million dollars a year. So their cleaning business is not like a Jehovah's Witness cleaning business. Um, and so the witness, and, and I think back to most of the, the brothers I know who started their own business. Because if you start growing the business, you're going to probably end up missing meetings. So at that point, you're going to be discouraged from building this business beyond just on the ground level. And so now we're seeing witnesses with this COVID-19. I think back to how many witnesses who grew up with me, who could literally be now in industries that would have afforded them the opportunity to work from home. I know a lot of witnesses back home where I grew up right now, you know, they are working jobs where they are not able to be able to work from home. And it's not because they could not have done better. See, that's, that's the whole thing. A lot of people don't go to college. A lot of people don't have good jobs. But Jehovah's Witnesses, they choose not to have these things. 
They choose to be broke. They choose to have to struggle and so forth. And so when witnesses come to the meeting, they're basically just worn out. They're just worn out. And so they sit at these conventions. And I, I mean, I mean, I want you to be, I want you to think about this. Jehovah's Witnesses are always talking about people pursuing riches and gold and silver. Who are all these rich Jehovah's Witnesses that we are looking at in the average congregation? No, brother, don't imitate. We know 75% of the friends are. No. When you think, I mean, you look at some of those, I remember those magazines where they have a picture of champagne, gold bars, yacht. Who are these Jehovah's Witnesses that's having all this stuff that the society is like, we got to tell the brothers to slow down. Y'all buying too many yachts. The average Jehovah's Witness is broke. Average witness is broke. And when you move outside of the United States of America and you move outside of Western countries and you move into second and third world countries, you're already starting out broke. So you're part of a denomination that says what? Be more broke. And so this is what makes this religion so dangerous to people's financial health, mental health, physical health. It damages people in so many areas. And for many of you who are watching this video right now, you're looking at your mama and your daddy. You're looking at your grandmama and your granddaddy. And you see after 30, 40 years of slaving for the society, they're in bad shape. They're in bad shape. And now you and I and my wife, we're going to have to take care of them. Why? Because they were supposed to be in the new system. And so the new system didn't make it. The new system was supposed to save Jehovah's Witnesses from all the problems they're having now. It didn't show up yet. And now it's time for reckoning. And so we see how that when issues like this happen, like a pandemic happens, people who struggle the most are those who have the least. I mean, they're rich people. Right? I mean, I was listening to radio the these rich people, they're rich people, they just simply just got up and just got on their yacht and they're out, in the, they're out in, in, in south of France and they're just riding it out. Well, most people are not going to be able to ride it out, but people are better positioned financially. And so the, the average Jehovah's Witness is not rich. The average Jehovah's around the world, especially when you start going to the, to, to, the, to the second and third world type countries, the last thing you need is a religion that's telling you not to position yourself to take care of yourself. And that's what these conventions, and, and these witnesses will go to these conventions every year. And there will always be somebody who will leave the convention and quit their job. I remember going uh, to the convention uh, in Richmond, Virginia. And they had, they always get, they always, they always walk them out on stage. Always walk them out on stage. And so, and so that was a brother. He was at this assembly. He worked in the IT industry. And he was standing down there saying, I'm quitting my job, the pioneer. And we you know, thousands of us just clapping because somebody's quitting their job. And so the, the organization gives us a upside-down value system, an upside-down value system. And it, and, it, and it really shows its head when we run into issues like this. Uh, I cannot imagine how many Jehovah's Witnesses. While we see that there's going to be a lot of people who are impacted, and this is a point I, I, I try to stress to people. It is not the fact that people are struggling financially. It is the reason they are struggling financially. And when you are struggling financially because you believe that God told you to quit your job and not work a job that would provide you and your family with certain basic benefits, insurance, health coverage, 
when you believe that you are really putting yourself in a very bad situation. And that's what's going to happen. I mean, this month, uh, this month, a lot of localities are going to now start enforcing the rent payment for people. And they'll start, they say right now, there's so many property owners who are who have been lining up in the courts, ready to file their paperwork to have people evicted. And it's just an ultimate catch-22. I know it's going to happen to a lot of people who belong to other churches. But it's interesting, those other churches, they will actually be trying to put together little programs in their church to help their members pay their rent. Their light bill. Why? Because they've been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years already. The Jehovah's Witness organization does not have anything in place. And we know what they're going to tell people to do. Go to the government. And we know people who've actually end up, we know people who've actually end up going to Catholic charities to get help. And so this is what the organization, and so they will lull these people to sleep at home in a convention center, and they will put them on this path that will prove, as we have seen so many times in the long run, to be so detrimental to both them and their families. I mean, it's the conventions. Uh, and so even though they're Zooming from home, the message is exactly the same. Message is exactly the same. They never get off point. Um, really take time to meditate on what's being said. Take your notes. Take the outline from what you're given and look and see what these topics are saying. Because as I said, as I always say, they're, they're, they're feeding you chicken McNuggets of information. There's nothing, there's no steak being chewed there. This video is about if a Jehovah's Witness could have a true discussion in a group setting about what this convention is about. How would the discussion go? Because when you start talking about living a simple life, as JT said, people will begin to talk about their own personal experiences. And so if a person is talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time making ends meet, and you're in this group, and you're having this group discussion, the conversation would go much differently than what you see at the convention. Because what the Watchtower does is they put people on these uh, experiences mm -hmm. to tell their story. And a lot of times their experience is like a one-off. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times you don't, you don't know the whole story behind this person being able to do what they're doing. So like, for instance, what if somebody just got an inheritance from their family and then they quit their job to pioneer? Well, you wouldn't even know that, you know? Or what if somebody, you know, inherited a house or some other means of wealth that you don't know about because everybody don't flash their money everybody don't flash their wealth and so there's there's different there's different reasons why people may be able to do what they're doing like somebody may be on disability but you don't know that somebody may have gotten a, a settlement from their job and now they chose that person to be on the program and so now everybody's sitting out in the audience is thinking, oh, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, she quit her job and she's pioneering, but you don't really know all the details behind them being able to do these things. And so that's what I'm saying. When you're talking in a group, you know, 
you're able to bring all these things to, to the forefront. Not only that, but in the type of work I do, we work together as a team. We don't work in a silo. Because what happens when you work in a silo, you don't come up with ideas. And so that's the reason why Jehovah's Witnesses are always forbidden from having discussions. Because if you're having an open and honest discussion with another witness, you're able to work in a, on a team. And when you work on a team, you always end up saying, I never thought about it like that. And I'm talking about an open, honest discussion where someone is not going to turn the other person in, you know, because if they allowed those discussions to go on, a lot of people will be getting up, walking out the door, never to return because people will be saying, I never thought, it like, thought about it like that. But instead, the way the Jehovah's Witness mindset works is the moment that a person begins to say something negative about the organization, the person says, I don't want to talk about this no more. I'm not listening to what you have to say. I'm going to call the elders and tell the elders that you're talking against Jehovah. And we just got an email from a couple that talked about that. They talked about how they started to research about the child pedophiles. And their daughter decided that she didn't like that. Even though the daughter is sick of going to the meetings. You know? And so she took and turned her, her mom and dad in to the point that they ended up writing a disassociation letter. Right? So you can't have an open and honest conversation. So you have to ask the question, the critical thinking question, why? Why can't I have an open, honest conversation about what I really learned at this convention? Why is it that I got to come back from the convention and I got to say, it was a wonderful program. And then if somebody asks you what was the, the program about, you can't even tell them. All you know is it was some feel-good things going on. It was, it was emotional. And you really can't go back and talk about it with a group openly and honestly. And these are the things that we're trying to get you to do is to think about it. For those of you who are lurking on our video and our channel and, and listening to what we have to say, or even people that have been emailing us because this one guy emailed us. He said, after 20 years of being disfellowshipped, he still thought this was the truth. And so when he came across our channel, he was like, you know, he always thought that he could go back to the organization as a means of a, a, a hope for him. And now to come, you know, come to our channel and see what we're talking about, he's like, wait a minute, what's going on? You know, but people have to really and truly want to know what this religion is all about. And so that's what we're saying. Think about what you're learning at these conventions and think about what they're actually saying to you. Think about the experience that you're hearing and think about what is the whole truth behind the experience. Because everybody is not in a position to quit their job to pioneer. And even though we know the, the, the vast majority of Jehovah's Witnesses are not doing that, 
It's just the fact that they show up and they feel inadequate or they feel guilty because they can't. So nobody should have to sit there and, and feel that way. You know, feel bad about not being able to do more watchtower stuff. You know? So that's what we that so that's what we're talking about here on our channel today. So really, you know, the, the conventions uh, they, they serve a very valuable role in keeping people in the organization. They basically throw a few crumbs out to witnesses and they run with it. Um, so, you know, we really encourage people as you attend this assembly, ask yourself, is this anything new? What are they really saying? And what do they really want me to do? And when you actually analyze it, you'll see that it, it does not work out to your advantage in the long run. And we've seen that. You've seen it. And after this convention, even though it's being done from a remote distance, it's going to be the same result. People are going to leave. You ask them in five months, what did you learn? And I'll just say it was very encouraging. Uh, so we, we really want people to think uh, seriously about how this is an opportunity for you to do some serious personal research. Um, take the time, do your homework. That's what we always say. Take the time, do your homework. And this year's convention, while it's unique in terms of how it's being delivered, the message is exactly the same. Do more, do more, do more. So this has been Lady C. This has been JT. And we thank you so much for being in our audience. Be sure to subscribe to our channel and hit that bell to get notified when we put up new content. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.